Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome back, everyone, to the Lay the Points podcast. I'm your host, Kendall Caps, alongside Jordan Chereau. Jordan, we finally got a little uh, taste of some NFL preseason action. It only got me even more excited for the regular season to start. How about you? It's so exciting to have football back, isn't it, man? I mean, yeah. just to just to sit and 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 just watch them go at it. Um, it was a long time coming. I mean, it's it's a long off season, seems like, and uh, it's just good to see them back on the field competing again. Well, and it's funny. I feel like the Rams have kind of somewhat ruined the preseason because they have now set the precedent that we don't want to play starters. So we're probably likely to see less and less starters play each year. And we saw that, you know, happen in, in week one, but we still got a number of guys that we got a good chance to, to take a look at. And, you know, one of the reasons why the Rams have always been believing or Sean McVay has believed in not playing his guys is because of injuries and right out the gate, we saw that happen. Zach Wilson went down. They initially feared it was an ACL injury and he might've been done. That would have been devastating to the jets. Instead, it turns out it's just a PCL sprain. He's done for the rest of the preseason, probably out two to four weeks. You know, maybe he's back at the beginning of the regular season, but you know, even guys like Drake London got banged up. They don't expect that to be too serious, but you know, he's one of their guys they're hoping can pop as a rookie this year. And then your Niners, Elijah Mitchell got uh, a little banged up in practice before the game, and and he might not even play the rest of the preseason. Yeah, I mean, going back to uh, Zach Wilson, you know, like when you see that injury, it brought me back to when Jimmy Garoppolo did that in a game, like I, I believe it was three years ago. Uh, he just took a non-contact injury, took a bad step, and uh, tore his ACL, and uh, kind of holding your breath um, for that. I mean, he was able to get back up, and then he went right back down. So it was good news that it was only like a BCL, but we still don't know, you know, like they're saying he could be ready for week one, but you know, if I'm a jet fan, I'm not really holding my breath on that one. I'm kind of looking at who they might have to go Joe Flacco for maybe a couple of weeks because you don't want to rush, uh, you know, your franchise quarterback too fast after something yeah. like that. You have to give him time to heal time to, you know, like at least a week or two of rehab, getting back at practice for a full week, maybe even two weeks. So, um, but luckily, that was good news um, because it looked pretty scary um, at first. But yeah, you know, um, that's kind of how preseason is now. You know, you only see these guys out there, you know, the starters for like 10 snaps or whatever. But uh, there have been some good performances of guys that uh, actually stayed on the field um, that I noticed. Malik Willis, he had a really, really good game yeah, I did. Um, for, for his first uh, NFL uh, debut. And then uh, Kenny Pickett, he played really, really well. I mean although he was going against second and third team uh, defenses, but it's okay. And then, uh, you know, my boy Trey Lance, I know he's going to be the starting quarterback, but man, I mean, I couldn't help but be excited. I know it's preseason, but that 76-yard bomb down the sideline to Danny Gray, that was just a thing of beauty, you know, only getting like, I think that was his last snap. He played 11 snaps, but man, I mean, that was really fun to see. And then uh, um, the wide receiver from – the Steelers, he, I mean, he was really talked about. George Pickens, I mean, he yeah. uh, he looked really good. He had uh, five targets uh, for 43 yards and a touchdown. So, you know, it's exciting for Steeler fans to get another uh, 
another good uh, rookie uh, wide receiver because they always, you know, like in Pittsburgh, like they always have good wide receivers. It like like it always seems, you know, like they and, lost and they Juju Smith have, and got Pickens. And they they don't just have the good receivers either. They draft them and develop yeah. them. They are, I think they're the gold standard when it comes to NFL franchises in their ability to scout and draft wide receivers. We've seen it for over 10 years now. And, it, you know, even before the preseason game, the talk about Pickens at camp, he's been blowing people away. Mm-hmm. But the question remains, can whoever is going to be playing under center get him the ball? And they right. have some weapons. Chase Claypool is still there. Deontay Johnson is still there. They have a good running back. They have an okay defense that at times looked really good last year. Other times didn't look nearly as good. Uh, and in that division, it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out. But, you know, whether it's uh, the young kid out of pit or my guess is Trubisky probably starts yeah. week one and wins out the job early on. But at this point, I feel like you drafted him. You're going to have to play him. You, you got to figure out what you have at some point. I think everyone knows that Trubisky's days as a starter are likely numbered in, in the league. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. A couple of other guys, Travis ATN, even though uh, James Robinson is hurt and they don't know even when he is healthy, will he get his starting job back? ATN played almost all of his team snaps with the first team offense. Finished with nine carries for only 23 yards, but he had two really, really nice runs. He had a catch for 10 yards as well. And the fact that he played with the first team offense the entire time. And don't forget, he played with Trevor Lawrence at Clemson when they lit college football on fire. And so having that familiarity and they drafted him with a first round pick two years ago and he missed the whole season with injury. And two seasons ago, James Robinson had a fantastic year. Last year, he had the job all to himself because of ATN's injury. And for the most part, he fell flat on his face. He would fall into the end zone occasionally, but he did not look very good. And then he got hurt towards Achilles at late in the season. So he's not even expected back to start the year more than likely. So I really liked what ATN uh, did playing as much as he did with the first team offense. And I think especially for fantasy purposes, anybody out there who who's looking at certain players, I love ATN. I actually just took him as my second running back in the sixth or seventh round in a PPR league the other day. And I love him in that spot. Wait a minute. Like you guys already drafted. Yeah. One, one of my leagues, I have four more to go, but we did one very early. Cause we're also doing a, uh, the league show based off of it. We're going to be recording video every week. Um, it should be a lot of fun. So we had to do that one a bit early to get everything recorded. Um, but yeah, fantasy's here, man. We're mid August. I'm yeah. hyped. I mean, I like that pick. I mean, everyone was, including myself, like if I can get him as well, um, he's very, very electric, exciting player that we didn't get to see last year, but um, he should have an explosive uh, uh, first year, second year, like in the league. So that's exciting. But a couple other guys that I noticed uh, particularly was, uh, uh, you know, those sneaky uh, Philadelphia Eagles, you know, Jalen Hurts went six for six, perfect quarterback rating in that game for 80 yards and a touchdown to Dallas Goddard. And he also had a 12-yard rushing touchdown, but unfortunately it was called back by penalty, which penalties are are uh, they're very, very high in the preseason. Um, I think Dallas yeah. Cowboys had 17 penalties in their first game. <laughs> so um, these if they have 17 in a regular season game, it's the Cowboys. Yeah, right, right. So um, yeah, so so Jalen Hurts is looking really, really good. Uh, you know, those Eagles might might surprise and win the NFC East this year. So that was uh, definitely a, a solid performance from uh, their uh, 
franchise quarterback. And then uh, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster from the Chiefs, uh, first year with the Chiefs. I played every uh, every snap with the first-team offense, um, trying to get that uh, that chemistry with Patrick Mahomes. And um, he's uh, he ran the most routes uh, on the team with seven, and uh, he's trying to uh, – Apparently he's having a really, really great camp too. So um, I guess he's their, I mean, number one wide receiver, but not their number one option. Now, me personally, I, um, I'm, I like Juju Smith-Schuster. I, I just, if he's your number one wide receiver, you know, I get a little worried about that. I do so, too. I do too. And when we when we break down the AFC West more in depth in the coming weeks, I think you know. We'll, we'll probably talk a lot more about that, but it is nice when you have a guy like Patrick Mahomes, he can at the very least elevate the level of play from a lot of guys around him. And reportedly coming out of camp, they have built a rapport really quickly and it's going to take their rookie receiver, uh, sky more, I believe it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. it's going to take him a little bit of time. I would think to come along. And until that happens, I think Juju should probably have a, a pretty decent start to the year. He'll likely lead the team in targets outside of Kelsey, of course. Um, but you got to figure. I mean, again, going back to the fantasy perspective of things, but Kelsey is still getting drafted in late first round, early second round. If I'm a defensive coordinator planning, scheming up against the Chiefs this year, I'm putting a linebacker and a safety on Kelsey nearly every play for someone else to beat me. I'm not letting that guy beat me. And let's see what these number two, number three guys, Mecole Hardman's, can really do against my corners one-on-one. Um, and so I wouldn't be surprised at all to see Kelsey, whose numbers were down last year, his routes run, average yards per catch, almost across the board, everything was not the same. And he's getting older. He's 33 now. Uh, so I think that's a huge risk for anyone who's grabbing Kelsey in a first round, early second round pick. I, I'm passing on that this year. Wait a round or two and get Kyle Pitts, and you'll probably be in much better shape. You think so? I still think Travis Kelsey is going to be one or two of the best fantasy tight ends this year. Because oh, no, no, they, I still think he's definitely he might. They're going to force, dude. They're going to force him the ball because <laughs> he's yeah, their but best. He might option. not catch many of them if there's two guys covering him every single play. Again, I don't know if every defense quarter is going to do that, but they certainly should, in my opinion. Yeah, that's going to be the. Um, I'm not saying he's know, not going to be really good again. He absolutely right. will. He's one of the best tight ends we've ever seen play this this game, but I don't expect his numbers to be even as good as they were last year. Which means, if you're drafting him that high, you're yeah. expecting a certain level of production. He can easily still finish as a top three tight end in not in can be considered a bust, relatively speaking, and really only give you third round value. And you took him in the first, early second. Right, and that's you know. And this year in particular is no Tyree Kill. Tyree Kill would have crossing moves. He would take linebackers with him. They would free up Kelsey. Uh, he could, you know, Patrick Mahomes could hit Kelsey down the seam because Tyree Kill would take the safety off. So that is going to be huge. It really is. In their really offense is. that they don't have that anymore. And so, you know, just like you said, like, you know, Patrick Mahomes might try to force it in there and it could lead to interceptions and just, you know, but that's probably their game plan. They're going to try to get him the ball at least seven to 10 times a game. And, you know, like you hope he catches eight of them. So, yeah, yeah. Well, and there's one other guy uh, in week one that I really liked his production. And it's kind of the perfect segue to to our over under segment. And that's the running back from Seattle, the rookie running back, Kenneth Walker. Um, you know, 
Last season, down the stretch, we finally saw what Rashad Penny is capable of when he's healthy. And lo and behold, he's dealing with a groin injury already. Um, he is super talented, but he can't, he typically does not catch passes. And as elusive as he is, he just can't stay on the field. And the Seahawks used a high draft pick to take Kenneth Walker. And Pete Carroll said recently at training camp, this guy is a three down back. And then guess what? In their first preseason game, he stayed on the field for all three downs with the first team offense. So again, that, that's one guy that I, I think could absolutely have a big year for a rookie. Um, and so that's, like I said, the perfect segue for our NFL over-unders. I want to take a look at the NFC West and, and break down each of these over-unders and see where, you know, where your head is at. Let's start with our Super Bowl defending champion, Los Angeles Rams. They're sitting at 10 and a half. It's minus 110 either way. Uh, is there anything that you really like there with them trying to, you know, repeat, be the first team in almost 20 years to do it? Well, I know they lost some defenders in the offseason because, you know, you can't pay everybody. But um, the over-under is 10 and a half. I'm taking the over with confidence. You know, the Rams are a very, very good team. They uh, added Allen Robinson. Uh, they re-signed Aaron Donald. Cooper Cup's probably the best wide receiver in the NFL. And I know Matthew Stafford has the elbow tendonitis right now, whatever. I'm not concerned about that. I, Unless he has some kind of injury with it um, in the season, they might not cover that over. But um, I'm not worried. The Rams are a damn good team. They have a really, really good coach. And um, even though, you know, like the NFC West is just not that hard anymore, you know, like the Cardinals are very beatable. I think San Francisco is going to have a top five defense this year. So they're definitely going to have some problems with the 49ers, but uh, Seattle is not going to be very good. So um, I'm, I'm feeling very, very confident with uh, taking the over um, 10 and a half on the Rams this year. Yeah, I agree. I like the, I think Vegas is overinflating the concern with Stafford's elbow this is something that he actually played with for most of last year. There was that three, four week stretch when he threw a number of pick sixes and wasn't playing very well. And apparently he had been feeling the most pain during that time. And it got better as the season went along. He hasn't had a setback. It just exists. So I think Vegas is overreacting maybe a tidbit. And by listing this at 10 and a half, you're telling me that if I'm taking the under, they're going to go 10 and seven or worse. I just don't see them losing seven games this year, even mm -hmm. with, albeit a difficult schedule. They got the Bills, Cowboys, and Packers as their three non-division teams. They play the NFC South, which, you know, Tampa's really good, but the rest of that division has serious question marks, especially Atlanta and in Carolina, obviously. The AFC West is the division in the AFC they have to play. That's four difficult games but I just don't see them losing seven games this year. So I'm, I'm with you. I really like the over. Um, so Arizona, you, you touched on them a little bit. They're over under sitting at eight and a half, which is a bit surprising that it's, it's so low. You know, that's basically saying they're a 500 team. Now last year before D hop and, and Kyler Murray got hurt, they were seven and oh, they were Super Bowl favorites or among them at the very least. And then they kind of fell apart. So where do you fall on them this year? Uh, well, it all starts with DeAndre Hopkins. Um, and I know the Cardinals over the last two seasons got off to really hot starts. Um, and then they kind of fell apart um, in the second half of the season. Which has been Kingsbury's MO. Even back right. when he was days in college, that was his MO. Right. And this year, I think it's going to be the opposite. I think they're going to start out terrible and they're going to 
you know, get better as the season goes, but by then it's going to be too late. Um, I think DeAndre Hopkins is huge for, for, for Kyler Murray. And, uh, and he's suspended the first six weeks for his, uh, PEDs. Um, but, uh, you know, like they play, uh, they play the Eagles, the Vikings, Pats, um, open up the season versus Kansas city Raiders, then Rams. You see what I mean? I mean, it's yeah. like, I just Without don't see D-hop, They could very easily yeah. start the season. zero and three. Exactly. So that's kind of where I think it's going to go. I think they're going to like have, have a rough start, kind of pick it up when uh, D hop comes back. But, uh, I, I don't see them winning no more than eight games this year, maybe seven or seven or eight games. I do not, I do not like the eight and a half over at all. I would take the under if I bet the Cardinals this season. I want to disagree, but I, I can't disagree with anything that you said. Their schedule is really difficult, especially coming out of the gate. And they didn't go and get another receiver to help fill in for those six weeks. And don't forget, Christian Kirk is in Jacksonville now. So now they're mm-hmm. relying on 34-year-old A.J. Green and Rondale Moore to be yeah. their guys that are going to carry the receiving core. And Zach Ertz is a good tight end, but he's also well past his prime. And those are the three primary pass catchers for the first six weeks of the season with that difficult of a schedule. So I agree, coming out of the gates, it's going to be really tough sledding. And by that point, it's going to be hard for them to get to nine wins. And you know when they play the Rams, the Rams own Arizona. Uh, Really, the only gimmies are Seattle and even them. They go tit for tat. So who knows how that's going to play out. Yeah, I think they're going to have a hard time getting to nine wins. Mm -hmm. All right, well, what about uh, your team, the Niners? Well, basically watching what's been going on in camp, um, I think the defense is people are saying, reporters have been saying that this is the best defense that they had since they went to the Super Bowl, I believe two years ago or three years ago. Three years ago now. And their defense was very, very good. It was and, phenomenal. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And they were even, and and so it's just like, um, that's the hype right now. They're, they're loaded on the defensive line. Uh, they're, their secondary is is very very good. They had uh, Chavarius Ward, who was the starting cornerback for KC last year. Um, big big hype on him, um, and so uh, and then Trey Lance is, is seems to be uh, really really uh, um, getting respect from his teammates as a leader, and 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 he's really ready to show out in his first year as a as a starting quarterback. And then I looked at the over under, and um, they are at nine and a half, and and uh, Vegas. To bet that Vegas had it at uh, minus one forty five, so people are really Take the over. Yes, yep. so so people are really hitting the over, and um, I'm a hundred percent on the over. I I think I think the game plan is going to be with with Trey Lance compared to Jimmy Garoppolo, and I saw it in the preseason. I had mentioned it earlier where he can just you know when's the last time you ever saw Jimmy Garoppolo throw a you know, a 50 yard bomb on the money. It just doesn't happen. So that's what he does. Not only can he, is he accurate with the deep ball, but he can, he can make plays with his legs. So that nine and a half, I'm hitting the over because I think their defense is going to be a top five defense this year. Their first uh, six games, they played the bears, Seahawks, Broncos, Rams, Panthers, and Falcons. So they could easily be five and two, uh, to start the season and uh, they don't have a easy schedule, but I'm pretty confident with um, how Kyle Shanahan is going to use Trey Lance this, um, this season. I don't think they're going to, to overload him too much. 
because I still think they're going to uh, run run the ball heavily this year, and they're going to rely on their defense to create turnovers and control the game. So, but I do think that Trey Lance is going to bring the big playability um, that Jimmy Garoppolo just could not do. And uh, you know, uh, Trey Lance right now is still having some chemistry issues with Debo, um, but that'll come in time. But uh, Brandon Ayuk is apparently having an amazing camp, um, so he's ready to have a big uh, uh, year three. So. It's very exciting if you're a 49er fan. I mean, I I know I'm being biased here, but um, um, I'm with Vegas. I, I'm I'm definitely hitting over. Um, or with the public, the betting public, with all the yeah, money putting on it. Yeah, I'm yeah, I'm definitely hitting the over on that. Like, what do you think of the Niners this year? Uh, I have a couple reasons for trepidation. Um, and don't get me wrong, I think talent wise, they're easily a 10 win team, if not more so. Um, but we still need to see, even though Trey Lance can throw a deep ball. Generally, to be a successful quarterback, you need to be accurate on short to intermediate throws. And that's where he struggles generally. Right. And to pick up those third and sixes, those third and sevens, to hit that eight yard out, that six yard curl, you need to be able to hit it where it needs to go. And so I think he has some work to do there. And there's also some question on whether, you know, Debo signed the contract extension and he had made it very clear that he does not want to be used in the same way that he was last year because of the physical toll that it will take on his body and therefore shorten his career and and hurt his ability to make max money over the course of his career. So I would assume that the Niners came to some sort of agreement when they gave him the extension that they're not going to be running him 85 times this year or whatever it was last year, especially almost all that was down the stretch. And the Niners offense, when he was used as both a tailback and as a wide receiver was practically impossible to stop. I mean, it was really, really difficult to slow down. If you take that element away, I'm not sure, especially if Trey Lance is not able to consistently be accurate with the football. I do wonder how you'll perform in the red zone and you might kick a lot of field goals instead of scoring touchdowns, which last year when Debo was in the backfield, it was almost a guarantee. He was either going to catch a touchdown pass or he was going to run it in. It was unbelievable. Um, so I have some concerns there, but I do think one thing working in your favor, the fact that you finished tied, but lost the tiebreaker to Arizona and Arizona, therefore finished second in the division and the Niners finished third. And here's why there's a huge difference in my mind between having to play the commanders, the bears, and who is it? The commanders, the bears and the dolphins, as opposed to Arizona having to play the Chiefs, uh, the Raiders, and the Rams. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm looking at the Eagles, Vikings, and Patriots. So you get Washington instead of Philadelphia. Huge win for you guys. Arizona has to play Philadelphia. Chicago, who might be one of the worst teams in football, instead of Minnesota. Huge advantage for you guys. And then uh, having to play the Dolphins, I think they're probably better than the Patriots. So that one could go either way. Uh, But for the most part, I think that worked out really well in favor of the Niners. So I do like a lot of aspects, but because of those couple issues that I personally would want to see from Trey Lance and see what this offense is really going to look like, I might sit on the fence because I could see a nine and eight, even though if I had to guess, I would go 10 and seven. I just don't feel super confident with it. Yeah. I, you know, after seeing the Jimmy Garoppolo experiment for five years, I believe that's how long he was on the team. uh, He was a pretty accurate intermediate passer but he was extremely immobile and he panicked in the pocket 
and he made terrible decisions under pressure and he couldn't throw the deep ball. So I'm ready regardless if he's inaccurate. There's been um, reports that he's throwing high in practice. So it's going to be growing pains. I mean, as a fan, you can't just assume that uh, a first-year quarterback in his first year starting is going to come in and be super accurate. Now, it, I mean, there's going to be growing pains. So, but I'm I'm excited um, to see what he can do. So, so we'll see. But I think on the next team that we already touched on, I I think we both agree on Seattle's going not going to be good this year. And they're I think everyone over, agrees with that one. They're they're over under is five and a half. So, uh, yeah, I. I know it's Drew Locke or Geno Smith, but um, I would probably guess um, they would probably go with Geno. Um, so, and then well, and Pete Carroll situation. said recently that as of right now, Geno is ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, and even though Drew Locke, he had better numbers in their first preseason game and threw a couple touchdown passes, but he missed a rush and and fumbled away the game winning drive. And Carroll talked after the game and basically blamed Locke for it and said it was his fault, which Locke also acknowledged that it was on him. So that certainly didn't help his cause to trying to win the starting job. But right. interestingly, with the number at five and a half, the the money has flooded in on the over. You have to pay minus one thirty five to bet the over, and you can get plus one fifteen for the under. I love the under here. You know, not only yeah. are they going to have to play the NFC, uh, the AFC West, which they probably lose all four of those games to everyone in the AFC West, mm-hmm. but then they probably lose to the Bucks and Saints at the very least from the NFC South and maybe to the Panthers. But then I think, you know, because they finished last, they get that last place schedule. I think Detroit's better than Seattle. I think the Giants might be better than Seattle. The Jets, maybe they beat, but I don't know how they get to six wins. I know. Yeah, no, I don't see it happening. Right? Not like I look their, at their schedule, yeah. I don't see six wins. I don't even know if I see five wins there. Yeah, like their defense is a train wreck. It's not very good. Their quarterback situation is shaky. Their running back situation is banged up. They do have DK Metcalf and um, Tyler Lockett, so they do have But if two you can't get him the ball, you know, right. that's why, by the way, in fantasy, I'm fading both of those receivers. Anytime I have yes. a starting quarterback as bad as their situation, yep. I don't care how great your receiver is. I want no part of any of it. Way too high. What if DK Metcalf is your your flex is your wide receiver three or your flex? If he's my fourth receiver, I feel comfortable. I don't even feel comfortable with him as my wide receiver three. I'll find someone else I'm more confident in. Okay. All right. All right. So we both take the under plus one fifteen. That's one of my favorite bets on the board this year is Seattle's under. Let's jump to the NFC South now. Um, Tampa Bay over under eleven and a half. I love the over. I think Tampa is going to be very good, even though they did lose their center, Ryan Jensen, to a torn ACL. Most likely he's out for the year, so that's a big loss for them because I know he had a lot of chemistry with Tom Brady over the last two years. But uh, they're loaded, man. They're loaded. They're loaded. They got two you know, like solid running backs, uh, wide receivers. They had a Russell Gage, Julio Jones. They have Kyle Rudolph. They also have Mike Evans and um, – Chris Godwin, who is coming back from injury. So, you know, like he's going to take some time to get back. And then you have Tom Brady and they have a pretty solid defense. So, um, yeah, I, I love Tampa Bay. What do you think? You know, you know me, I'm one of the biggest Tom Brady fans on the planet probably. Uh, but I'm really concerned about this number and, and I'll tell you why 
This is the first time I've seen in Brady's career where it doesn't appear as though he is 100% focused and committed on the game. And he's always talked about in the past, like when football season rolls around, that's his entire life. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he's in the process right now. He's taking a vacation with his family right in the middle of camp, which is never. Is he really? Yeah. 10 days. Uh, He left last week. He's not coming back till next week. Um, They haven't officially said exactly why, but apparently when he decided to come out of retirement, it was known between he and the team that he was going to need time in mid-August with his family. And from reports, it's not anything health-related to anyone in his family, despite the early reports that his mom's health was a bit questionable. It appears as though it was something that was pre-planned. So, and then you also have to remember that the story came out, Brady's number one option was to retire and then become a part of the ownership of the Dolphins. And all that stuff went south once Stephen Ross and the racist, racism and all that stuff. He realized, okay, that ship sailed. I, I'm not doing that. His backup option was to come out of retirement. He doesn't have Gronk, his most trusted player that he's ever played with in his entire career. And, you know, Kyle Rudolph is a very good player. Rudolph's on the backside of his career and doesn't have that same rapport. And not only did he lose Ryan Jensen, his starting center, who's a Pro Bowl center, he also lost both of his guards from the last two years as well. Now, they did sign Shaq Mason from the Patriots, who's a very good uh, offensive guard. But the offensive line is a serious concern. And as we know, the only way we've ever seen Tom Brady slow down is when you get pressure up the middle. And he's down two guards in a center. Um, so I foresee a lot of problems for them, especially early on. And then when you go look at their schedule, so they have to play the NFC West, so they're going to have to play the Rams, they're going to have to play the Niners, they're going to have to play Arizona. And then they also play the AFC North, which that that's no cakewalk. Baltimore is fully expected to be much better than they were last year because last year they were decimated. Cincinnati went to the Super Bowl and fixed their only problem, their offensive line. They should be really, really good again. Cleveland, we know, is extremely talented. The question is, will they have a quarterback? And Pittsburgh should be better than they were last year and still haven't had a losing season in 15, 20 years. And then the other three random games are the Cowboys, Packers, and Chiefs. So it's like, that's a really difficult schedule with a lot of question marks, a lot of new faces. So to be honest, I kind of like the under. I think they either go 11 and six, maybe even 10 and seven, and it's going to be a bit of a step back. And don't forget, Lenny Fournette showed up at camp 245 pounds, man. Like he, he was not looking like the same Lenny we saw last year. Um, uh, that's a lot of information. Yeah. I mean, Hey, I, you know me, I follow everything about Brady. I know. I mean, I can't wait to write a book one day. Um, I haven't started it yet. I've been taught thinking about starting it soon, but one day I'm going to write it and finish it. And it's going to be a lot of fun. I just have a hard time based on everything you said. I have a hard time betting against what Tom Brady can do regardless, um, on the football field. I think that if he feels pressure, he'll audible out of it. And, um, you know, I, I don't know how Todd Bowles is going to do in his first year because, you know, Bruce Arians was, was with them the, the last two years. But, um, I mean, I picked the Bucks to win, to be NFC champions. So, I, do I, I still think they're going to, okay. I, I think they're 10 and 7 or 11 and 6, but uh-huh. I agree. I think they go to the Super Bowl. So it'll be a more balanced year then for everybody. It'll be kind of like an open playing field. Yeah, it, that, that's, oh. that's my thought. It, it's going to be right. a lot of fun. All right, well, how about we move on from the box? Let's take a look at the next team, which is a really sneaky good team that most people are overlooking. That's the New Orleans Saints. Their number's sitting at eight and a half, and a lot of people are throwing money at the under 
Right now, you have to lay minus 125 to, to take the under. You get mm-hmm. a little better than even money at plus 105 if you go with the over. Um, I don't know about you, but the Saints defense quietly, year after year after year, has been one of the best in the league. And they, you know, Jameis went down with an injury last year. And you never know what Jameis you're going to get. But last season was the first time we ever saw sustained, good, solid quarterback play from him. He was Mm -hmm. putting up Pro Bowl numbers until he got hurt about a month into the season. And I know it's a small sample size, but he now has Michael Thomas back, who's going to be fully healthy for the first time in two years. Jarvis Landry, they added. The rookie Chris Olave out of Ohio State, who can fly past anyone. I mean, that's some solid weapons. And don't forget, the recent reports in Alvin Kamara is it's highly unlikely he gets suspended this year. He They probably are going to have it pushed until next year. So they have everyone on offense, and the defense is pretty much back. So I, I don't know about you, but I love the over eight and a half. I love the over too. I mean, like you look at their division, they have Atlanta, Carolina, uh, and the Bucks. Worst case, that's three and one. Worst case scenario, that's three and one in those four games. And they own Tampa Bay and Tom Brady. Right. They've beaten them every time except for the playoff game because Brady right. doesn't lose in the playoffs. Right. But every regular season game, they've hammered Brady in the Bucs. They haven't just beat him. They've hammered them. So mm-hmm. like, well, I guess is at worst, they split with the Bucs. They probably go 4-0 or 3-1 and in the rest of the division. So there might be 5-1 and in the division. And then the rest of the schedule, you know, there's some easily winnable games. They get to play uh, the Vikings, Eagles, Raiders, as the other three are definitely tricky. But they still get to play against... The, the Seattle Seahawks, they get to play the Browns early enough in the season that no matter what, Deshaun Watson won't be there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, for all these reasons, I really like the over. Yeah, for sure. I love the over, too. Absolutely. I mean, like, having, having can't guard Mike back, I mean, when he's healthy and and, and rolling and Jameson, James is just slinging the ball all over the field and can get him at least seven to ten grabs a game, yeah, like, I love the potential of this team. And yeah, like their defense, like we don't talk about their defense enough, especially in the media, but they have very sneaky, good cornerbacks and, um, and then, um, their pass rusher. I can't think of his name. Cameron, Cameron Jordan, Cameron. He's such a beast, man. Yeah. He's super, super underrated, uh, pass rusher. So yeah. Um, you and I are on the same page on that. We love the saints and the over on that one. Um, let's, uh, jump to the Panthers. Uh, their over under is six and a half. Um, Christian McCaffrey is back healthy, uh, you know, signing Baker Mayfield didn't really have a great, um, first preseason game, um, with the Panthers. So, um, but I mean, you got to give, give him a little break. He just got there probably a couple weeks ago. So he's still learning everything. Yep. Uh, this one's, this one's tough. Um, this is really tough. I don't know about you, but yeah. I don't feel confident either way. I feel like they're around a six win team. Yeah. But you know, because they get to play the giants lions this year outside of the divisions they play as well. Those are a couple winnable games also. So they could sneak seven. Like I'm fading this entirely. If I had to guess, I I guess the under, which, you know, the money so far has come in on the under a bit more, but I don't trust it either way. I think there's obviously some serious questions. Anytime the one of the team's best players and Robbie Anderson, pleads with the organization, don't trade for Baker Mayfield. And then you trade for Baker Mayfield and he's probably going to be your starter week one. Like that's, you know, guys can say, oh, we've patched it up all they want. But if you know anything about Baker Mayfield, that's still in the back of his mind. 
Sure. Um, so I just struggle to see this offense, you know, looking too good. And they're going to be so reliant on McCaffrey, who's been run into the ground and is so injury prone now. It's hard to take it over here. But at the same time, they have a schedule that's relatively easy. So they could easily sneak a few more wins that you might not expect. And so, yeah, I'm fading and I'm staying away from the Panthers. Yep, me too. Me too. Uh, moving on to the Falcons. Um, I don't think I have very high expectations for this team outside of fantasy purposes with Kyle Pitts because I think he's going to be their best weapon on offense. They're over under. Yeah, basically. <laughs> they're over under is four and a half. I am going under. I think they're going to be probably one of the top two or three worst teams in football this year based on the quarterback play. I know they have Marcus Mariota and uh, Desmond Ritter behind him. So I'm sure they'll probably go with Desmond Ritter probably in the last three or four games when they're completely out of it because they probably want to lose and see what they have there, um, especially if Marcus Mariota is healthy and they have some games in the stretch they don't want to win. So um, I could see them going 1-2 and two or 0-3 oh in the last couple of games. But, yeah, I, I mean, outside of Kyle Pitts, um, and I know they have Cordero Patterson as well, but <laughs> they don't really have much else. You know, like I know their defensive coordinator came out a couple of weeks ago and Dean Pease and he came out and he was very aggressive and said he's tired of hearing the Falcons defense stinks and this is BS and we're going to be we're going to surprise people this year. And he's tired of hearing about how bad the defense is. I still think the defense is going to be bad um, and I don't <laughs> think the team is going to be very good in general. So uh, I'm taking the under like I think they're going to win like three games. Well, in every year, there's always two, three, maybe four teams that win two, three, or four games, right? Mm -hmm. Like every single year. Yep. And you figure this year, the teams in contention for that are the Falcons, the Seahawks. And the Bears. And the Bears in the NFC. And yep. then maybe the Jets yep. and the Texans in the AFC, right? Yep. So those five. Three of those five, at least three of them, will go under four and a half. The question is, will Atlanta be one of them? And one thing that I think works against them is Carolina actually has an easier schedule than they do because they actually finished ahead of Carolina last year. So instead of getting to play the Giants, they have to play the Commanders. And the Commanders have a very good defense mm -hmm. and one of the better defenses in the league. And yeah. Atlanta already is going to struggle offensively this year. So I think like they're, you know, the winnable games for the easy schedule when you're not very good aren't nearly as winnable because they got to play the Chargers from the AFC. Mm -hmm. um, for that, their random 17th game as well. So you, like, I agree that there's a good chance that they, they finish with two or three wins this year. Um, but their defense, you know, it showed signs of life throughout the season last year. I just think their offense is going to be so bad and ineffective. It puts way too much pressure on the defense. They're going to be on the field for 36, 37 minutes a game. And there's just no way you can sustain. And I think your point, which I didn't even think of, but it makes a lot of sense with Desmond Ritter late in the season when they're three and 12 or whatever they are at that point in time, it makes a lot of sense to see what you got there. And you probably drop those last couple games as well. So I think the under is probably a good play and you'll get even money there because there's been more money on the over. And again, the betting public, they, they like to think, oh, well, four, you know, four, that's such a small number. But like I said, every single year, three or four teams win four or fewer games. Yeah. And I think Atlanta very likely is going to be one of those teams this year. Agreed. 
Absolutely agreed. All right. Well, that's uh, that's the NFC South and the uh, NFC West. So um, we'll see what happens and we'll see how these numbers look um, as we as we get through the season. So I'm sure we'll we'll uh, go back and take a look and either make fun of ourselves and or pat ourselves on the back. So we'll see. I feel um, very but, confident. I think we'll be doing some padding just like we have so right. far. All right. So speaking of padding, why don't you pat yourself on the back? Cause I know you have some really, really good stuff on your uh, Kendall's corner uh, segment. Go ahead. All right. So there's only a couple of things that really stood out when I was looking at the world of sports. So, you know, in major league baseball over two months ago, I told everyone on this show Aaron Judge at the time was plus 300, I believe it was. And I said, you're never going to get better odds than you will right now. And at one point, his uh, Shohei Otani was battling with him and, and he was only like plus 150 or plus 200. Now he's minus 650. So I just wanted to remind everyone, I hope you listened a couple months ago at the plus 300 because there's no value left and he's a lock to win the MVP. It's basically over um, unless he falls over tomorrow uh, and can't play the rest of the season. So, you know, hopefully you're able to take advantage of that when I recommended it back in the day. But in terms of a solid bet to go for right now, while looking at the National League Rookie of the Year, it's essentially a two-man race, and they're actually teammates. Spencer Strider and Michael Harris with the Atlanta Braves, they're both going off at minus 110 right now. I believe that even though Michael Harris has made such a huge leap as a rookie in such a big impact. There are so many good players in that lineup. And Strider, because of injuries to Soroka and others in the rotation, has burst out of nowhere. He's played and came up earlier than Harris and has played much longer. And it's rare you see a rookie starter with a whip of one, 14 Ks per nine, and on a defending World Series champ. Like, I haven't seen a rookie put up these kind of numbers in quite some time. So they're going off at the same, but I really like Strider at this point. And the last thing that I think you need to hammer, the U.S. Open is approaching. Novak Djokovic just got a boost in his odds to even be able to play in the tournament, but we don't know if he's going to be able to play. And Rafael Nadal is not a lock by any means to be able to even play in the tournament, and we know he's not fully healthy. Knowing that, Danil Medvedev is plus 220. Once Djokovic, which in my guess, ends up being ruled out because he's not vaccinated, his odds are going to drop dramatically to probably close to even money. You can get better than two to one right now on Medvedev. Take that to the bank. You'll get some solid money put in your pocket at the end of uh, August, early September. You you can thank me later. No, we're just going to thank you right now. Because if you go do it, you're just going to win. Come on, man. You need to start, you know, just being like, no, you need to do this. Trust me on this. Kendall's been right a lot more than he's been wrong. So really good stuff, Kendall. Well, that's going to wrap up uh, this episode this week. Uh, Next week, um, we're going to talk about hopefully um, no more injuries. Everyone stays healthy in uh, uh, week two, uh, preseason week two. And we get to see some more highlight plays from the rookies and and maybe see some starters uh, show out a little bit. Um, we will cover uh, the NFC East and the NFC North next week on what we think about over and unders and uh, our prediction um, about uh, how these thing how these teams are going to do. And uh, I got some juicy stuff about Green Bay Packers. I have a, a, a brother-in-law and, a, and, and, and my brother uh, who are big Packer fans. And they, uh, my brother is very excited about the Packers this year. But unfortunately, I, 
I don't really feel too confident in Green Bay, and I cannot wait to see where that over-under is because most likely I'm going to take the under without even seeing it. So anyways, I'm Jordan. Thank you, Kendall, for all your great insight, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.